Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Liberate Your Orgasm podcast. I'm your host, Veronica Lynn Clark, and I am going to be joined today by Michael Chasen. He is going to share his story in regards to his experiences with sexual abuse, sexual trauma. And I want to give you the heads up that this conversation is going to be triggering for many of you. And though it's not my intention for any of you to be triggered, I know that the topic is really uncomfortable for many to hear for different reasons. It's so uncomfortable because it's perhaps your story that you can hear as Michael and I share some of the experiences that we've had. And maybe it's experiences that you don't want to recognize actually happen in this world to everyday people who, you know, go to the gym or go to the grocery store, live next door to you, you know, look similar and act similar, you know, to you What this idea that we are, you know, this person looks or acts so normal that, you know, how could this have, you know, happened to them? You know, we have this idea that people who've been abused are somehow, you know, less functioning. And uh, in, in many cases they are. And in some situations, people seem to be less adaptable to social norms. And in, in many other instances, because sexual abuse can be so pervasive and disconnects us so much from our natural rhythms of our body that we've done everything possible to try to assimilate in this world, which sometimes actually deepens the trauma. So my hope is that this podcast will increase some awareness for you, will help you to tap into a deeper sense of compassion for yourself and also for others. And really um, is equally, if not more important, to absolutely get it into your body, to your mind, to your spirit, that this shit has to stop. That we cannot tolerate sexual abuse, trauma, rape, pedophilia on any level at all. And that the way to stop this is by A, recognizing that this happens, this is real, okay? This is not stuff that happens only on the movies or in like your nightmares. This shit is happening every goddamn day and I cannot emphasize that enough. And it happens by people who look just like us. It's not like the, it is sometimes the creepy guy that lives next door, the creepy woman, but it is also those who look really normal. We can never judge a book by their cover. So instead, we have to start paying attention to our gut, to the signs. We've got to listen more deeply to each other and to those who are trying to find their voice and to express themselves and are having a really difficult time. So this podcast is really just scratching the surface. Like we're just like taking the very tip of our nail and just kind of like just touching it just barely, okay? Understand that this is deep. This is um, a lifelong experience of trauma for many people. And um, we've got to work together. We've got to pull together to do better, to increase awareness, and then to start using our voice, our resources, our influence to stop 
sexual abuse, sexual trauma on any and every level from happening. It can happen. I believe in a planet that is that strong that we can pull together to shift the dynamics of the structure that have been in place for way too long. So take a deep breath, get ready for it, listen, maybe take some notes, share this with your friends, share this with your kids maybe if they're at you know an older age. I wouldn't recommend this for anybody that's you know, a young person, this is, this can really be a lot for their system. So just please be mindful about that. I'm talking about, you know, sharing this perhaps with um, teenagers who have gone through their own trauma and are trying to heal from it because they need to know that they're not alone. They need to know they're not alone. This is really important. All right. I love you all. Looking forward to, um, looking forward to hearing what you have to say after you listen. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Veronica Clark, and this is the Liberate Your Orgasm podcast. And I'm super excited because today I have a special guest on. This is Michael Chasen. What's up? Happy to be here, having a great <laughs> Friday, and just excited to uh, talk about this topic. I mean, this is something that we had a great conversation with uh, yesterday yeah and we just kind of reconnected for the first time in about 10 years and yeah, yeah it's just crazy the way happen. that things happen so yeah mm -hmm. we just decided to have something that's been pretty personal to both of us mm -hmm. and just kind of put it out there in the world and see where it goes yeah well and it's so interesting um it, it's hard to believe that it was just yesterday that we reconnected and the reason we reconnected was because i, I made a post about something that um that obviously landed with you and hit home mm -hmm. and it was about breaking the silence and I broke my silence after three decades. One of the things that has really been, I guess, kind of bubbling up for me is this, this idea that people have that after, after sexual abuse happens, something happens, a rape, sexual assault, whatever it is, that there's like a certain amount of time and you're supposed to tell within that certain amount of time, or I don't know, maybe that's just my experience, but, but it's, it's been a challenge and a hold that and kind of see where we are as a human consciousness, where, where I am and what's taken so long for me to actually break my silence. But before I really go into it to that, I want to kind of turn it back over to you and talk about your story and why you're here why you're here, why you're sitting next to me, and why we're having this really important and necessary conversation right now. Sure, so my journey kind of goes back to 2009 um, in Camel Pose, which is known for uh, being very much a heart opener. Um, I've seen over the years that it's very much a trauma release pose. Mm -hmm. And I experienced something that I never in my wildest dreams thought would happen. So we went into the pose and during the 30 seconds or so that we were in the pose, I had a complete, what can only be described as a flashback of uh, basically rapes that were happening to me from five years old uh, by a man that I knew as a child. I actually had a babysitter and when she would decide to go off and be with her boyfriend, she would call her brother over, older brother, to come watch uh, myself and my younger brother. 
And that would happen quite often over the period of two years. It was literally on a monthly basis that he would be over at the house. And I was just experiencing rape, anal rape usually, and had completely forgotten about it until I had this experience when I was 32. So my journey along that way was being very hypersexual as a teenager, was very interested in young or uh, very interested in women at a very young age, and uh, was very promiscuous throughout some of my teenage years, the latter part, and then going into my 20s. Didn't really know why. I just thought, you know, I really loved women. There was never anything um, dangerous or anything yeah. like that. It was just kind of like a very hypersexual, and it was. Uh, very intense, uh, I think, at times. And I got my answer to that at 32 years old. So I remembered mm -hmm. everything that had happened with this guy, who he was, how I knew him, what he looked like. I will always remember his red hair color. And I didn't really know what to do with that. And so... What did you do with that? Yeah, like because that's a lot to just receive. Absolutely. So... You feel in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt it in my emotions, in my my body, my spirituality. Everything was literally just kind of rocked. And I just sat with that for a couple of years, not really knowing exactly what to do with it. I just knew that this had happened. Mm -hmm. Concurrently with that, I started experiencing sort of a pain in my hip and couldn't identify what that was. And all I knew was that it hurt and saw multiple doctors for it, multiple chiropractors, act, active release technique, dry needling, uh, physical therapy, nothing really seemed to alleviate that pain. And it was only years later that I would learn that the body actually does store trauma. Yes. And uh, especially in the hip areas uh, concerning sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of my journey to actually alleviate that physical pain in my body and then what do you do with this memory mm -hmm. and you know knowledge of what somebody had done to me that I had completely forgotten about and that culminated in talking with uh, the Chandler Police Department which talking about Chandler Arizona and when I spoke with them to talk with them about what had happened um, I initially just kind of went in and said you know I'm sure statute of limitations is done and over with, hadn't thought about it, didn't remember it for a very long time. And now that I know what's going on, I just kind of want to report this guy uh, just so if, you know, he's ever picked up for child pornography or has something on his computer or is trafficking kids or whatever happens, I want my name attached to that. And so... I went ahead and did that and they actually told me, well, you know, we are going to listen to your story, record it. It was all, we will honor your wish. And if something happens, he will be picked up. But just so you know, there is no statute of limitations. And if you'd like to go after this guy, we essentially would need to get him wow. to admit it. And once he does so, we can take action against him. Mm -hmm. So that's what we attempted to do through social media, Facebook. Uh, we sent multiple messages over to him. We did... Uh, like kind of like a background check. We thought that we had a phone number for him. When we called it, there was never an answer. There was never a voicemail, anything on Facebook. So I don't know if he recognizes my name and maybe just didn't want to respond to it, have no idea. But, 
you know, really, I think the important thing was kind of getting that out there, speaking the truth of what happened to me. And, you know, with this podcast, I really have had a number of people just, you know, as I've told this story, they're like, hey, you know, you're kind of like a stocky, you know, guy, you have that sort of, you know, alpha thing kind of going on. We think that, you know, you telling your story would be important. And so, and, you know, just kind of talking about all the different steps that I've taken in an attempt to heal myself. And so my intention with, you know, being a guest here today is that even if just one other person out there who is, you know, living in silence, doesn't know what to do with their experience, they can take that and, you know, not only go forward and heal, but maybe it'll compel them to take action with their local authorities and turn in their purpose are having that communication. I mean, we're seeing on the news right now, lots of different instances of yeah. kids that have been kidnapped that are being found. I mean, today is uh, September 4th. So it was just a couple of days ago, they found like 25 kids in Ohio. I think and there was 30 like 30 in Georgia. In Georgia. Yep. So, you know, I mean, so here's, here's the piece that's really, that's brewing and stirring in me. People don't want to see that this happens to people that they know, to people that they love, that this is happening like right now. And that, that, that the impacts of sexual trauma and sexual abuse is so pervasive and so deep that it like takes somebody's livelihood. And, and so just being able to, first of all, like, thank you. Thank you for being willing to put a face to what sexual abuse looks like. It's uncomfortable for people. I, I noticed, I noticed a lot of support yesterday when I, when I, when I posted, but I also noticed that I had a lot less likes on a post where I talk about breaking my silence and I talk about sexual abuse versus when I'm like, my boobs are out and I'm like in Costa Rica on the beach. And it breaks my heart and and it's like we have to meet each other we have to meet our humanity where we are and bring some awareness to this and bring a voice to this noticing even listening to you how my body's responding and and i'm thinking like wow those two years you know those two years what you your process and i want to hear more about that you know your process and i was also listening to how clearly you were able to articulate and how you're speaking. And I notice in myself this like trembling in my throat and this trembling even in my in my chest and the difficulty I'm having even in this moment actually talking about this because it's so uncomfortable. And so I can I can only imagine how uncomfortable it is then for people to listen and hear and to say, wow, you you look so normal. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you, you're like everyday people like you're you, you know, you're you are a pilot and, you know, in aerospace engineering and realtor like normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Me, mother of five, like we're, we're both yoga instructors. You know, it's like these everyday people that we pass by in the grocery store who care through so much and it doesn't have to continue. But we have to turn our face to it. We have to turn our attention to it so that we can start changing the dialogue and the conversation around it. The first thing that's gonna take is to bring awareness. And we have to look at what is so ugly and is so uncomfortable. We have to do that. 
we cannot look the other way anymore. Absolutely. I think th there's a lot of different ways that sexual abuse can manifest itself. And at a very young age, oftentimes it comes in the form of a family member or mm -hmm. somebody that was really close to us. And I think there's a lot of families out there that it's their dark secret. It's been covered up probably going back for generations. Yep. And it's really now that I think people are starting to recognize how pervasive sexual abuse is. Having sex with a young child will affect that person for the rest of their life. Whenever that happens, you're going to affect how they view the world. You're going to affect every relationship that they have. And that person is then going to have to fail forward, oftentimes starting off in a very unhealthy way yep. and figure out how to actually have a healthy relationship with a member of the opposite sex. It could be the same sex as well. But oftentimes if that person doesn't have the proper, proper tools of communication and how to be effective in a relationship, what does that then look like? If you don't have the tools for being in a healthy relationship, then you're going to rely on the healthy things that you know. And so if that, what you know is sexual trauma, you're now going to be affecting another person's life. Absolutely. And even if nothing negative happens, you're still carrying that energy within your body and you're bringing that trauma into a relationship with another human being. So what does that look like? And, you know, I think for those scary as it is, you have to have that conversation and you have to at some point be like, Hey, you know, this bullshit and this fuckery needs to stop. And it's going to stop with me. I don't care if it's been in my family for generations. I don't care if it was the neighbor around the street. This stuff yeah. has to stop. Has to. And yeah. I think this topic and these actions of one human being to another has lived in the dark and been able to propagate itself for so long that something is actually going to happen in terms of stopping it. You know, I, you, you brought up a couple times like this, you know, this generational and generational curses. And in my in my experience, um, it was very much generational. And um, my two brothers, my two older brothers and my father both sexually abused or all three of them sexually abused me for years since I was six years old, the very, very, very first incident happened. And then the last incident happened when I was 17. And the shame and the guilt and the self-loathing, like the idea that something's wrong with me, why does this keep happening? What am I doing to you know, bring this about? Like, what have I done? Um, and there's so many pieces, and I'm not going to get into, into all of them, but when we don't, not only when we don't heal, but as we are moving through our lives and we begin to move into relationship with other people, how this just perpetuates, how this trauma starts to like branch off into so many other ways, like these other branches, and what this looks like, and how we're creating from this place of wound and darkness and pain. So two things. One, my first orgasm I had when I was 12 years old. And I had it during a sexual, uh, I was being abused. I was being violated by my father. And so the liberate your orgasm is 
me liberating my orgasm from my trauma, mm -hmm. liberating it from like, you know, sex was dirty. Sex was like, sex was something that you do, but you hide it. It's hidden. It's, and, and it was so shameful. I never even shared my sexual trauma with my husband. So when I got married, he didn't know that I had sexual trauma mm -hmm. because like, he's not going to want me because it's dirty and it's ugly. And how could anybody hold me in that? Right. So mm -hmm. I tried to bury that. So he couldn't understand or like, I was like disgusted and repulsed anytime I would even come near having an orgasm. And so I had to shut my orgasm down so that I didn't have to feel that. And when we shut our sexuality down, we're also shutting down all the other parts of ourselves that are able to connect to our creativity, to our knowingness, to our intuition, to our wisdom, to really fully living and thriving in life. It's so important that we bring, bring the light to, to the many different ways that sexual trauma impacts us because like to your point earlier we were we were talking about this it's like every single person watching this right now or that's going to watch it later or somebody who has been sexually abused traumatized it's it's so much more common than people are willing than they want to look at that they want to see i know we're like we want to see so much beauty we want to see the rainbows we want to stay like up here in the higher chakras we want to stay in the heart we want to like harmonize and so forth, but we got to go down into the darkness also and heal that shit and stop pretending that it doesn't exist. Silence those who are already so afraid to speak up and to speak out and to be able to create more space for people to feel safety that they can heal in the light. Because when we try to continuously heal in the dark, it's so lonely. All you have are the tools that you grew up with, all the conditioning that you have violated you or didn't protect you or, you know, take care of you. Those are the only tools that you have when you're in the darkness with your secrets and your shame of your trauma. So we have to be able to create more space so that it can come up to the light so we can help heal, help heal each other. Well, so... When you think back to your teenage years, were, um, what was your first sexual experience? Totally awkward. <laughs> I was like, just so awkward. I was so glad that like, <laughs> I'm so grateful that like they didn't steal that from me. You know, mm -hmm. my, that, that part of me that can still be totally childlike and totally awkward. <laughs> so it was awkward. Um, it was awkward and felt disconnected from my body and and so i wasn't fully like present i don't mm -hmm. feel it took me a long time to learn actually how to be in my body and to feel like my body's safe and it's okay to feel the sensations that i feel and that being turned on is okay there's nothing wrong i'm not going to get in trouble for that right i'm not going to get in trouble if i'm turned on um but but when i got to the point of actually where it started to feel good where it's like, oh, this is actually feeling good, you know, and mm -hmm. I want to do this and it feels good. And then I started to get to a point where I was getting the um, arousal and um, the sensation of orgasm. That's when it was like shutting th things down.
and um, and then I and then I projected a lot onto the person you know that I was with, and mm -hmm. that was, and and so what I learned to do was to not let people, even my husband, get very close to me, mm -hmm. so that I was totally in control of my experience, which had to be very limited. So it taught me to really like shut down and like try to try to control my experience from a from a place of of lack and um, scarcity mm -hmm. instead of fullness and abundance and sharing myself with this other human being. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that carried so that carried on basically through all the way through your marriage. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I totally did. Um, you know, like I joke because <laughs> like we have a lot of kids, I have five children, it's beautiful. And people would be like, don't you know what causes that? And I'm like, yes, I know. We, we just don't have a television, you know, or whatever. But like, yeah, we were, um, the intimacy was not there. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't start to experience like rich intimacy until my second um, primary partnership. And um, and that lasted seven years and it was absolutely extraordinary. And it was, it was my, my first entrance and my foray into what is this? Like, this was so amazing. We would like make love. And it was like, I was transported to this like waterfalls and I would see leaves with like, uh, you know, just dripping dew and there's butterflies and there's lizards. I mean, it was like, it was no longer, like we're, we're no longer humans. We're like in a whole different place. And it was the most beautiful freeing experience um, that I'd ever, ever encountered. So lovely. And it was the first time. And I mean, I, I mean, I was already in my thirties by then, mm -hmm. you know, like 30 years old to finally start like experiencing this and, Thankfully, he was he was very gentle. I'm so glad that I loved myself enough to be able to attract and call in somebody who was gentle mm -hmm. enough. Um, he, he knew some he did know about my history and um, not all the details. So together we were able to start like kind of breaking through the my my orgasm issue mm -hmm. where it was like oh stop like get off of me you know um i could really just melt into it mm -hmm. and have a beautiful experience so that was, was super cool yeah well so after your first husband what was that transition like did you have relations with like other men during that time it's really interesting i i was very afraid of men mm -hmm. for for years, I mean, I'll, I will even say that probably up until even just a couple of years ago, especially mm -hmm. any man that looked like he could even overpower me mm -hmm. in any way. So no, I did not have a lot of relationships. Got divorced and then went right into another relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a couple of dating, a little bit of dating, but nothing, nothing crazy. So what I was, was that? fine with not having sex. Which, right. Which, you know, sad, like, oh, just like experiencing more of just, you know, my own like self pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, but, but still not even, you know, that's had to grow. Like right. when there's trauma there, it's like masturbation and anything like that was still also associated with sexual abuse because mm -hmm. um, being sexualized at such, an, at such a young age, my genitals wanted to be stimulated. 
And so masturbation that I would do when I was when I was stimulated. So mm -hmm. there was a taboo connection for me that um, masturbation is connected to sexual abuse and sexual trauma. And those are things that you do in the dark and those mm -hmm. are dirty things and you don't do those. So you did it sometimes, but just kind of felt guilty doing it. Yeah. Okay. And didn't know how. Right. Like I was like, I don't know. I don't even know how I'm doing this. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. okay, now I can do that. You know, so it's like, it's a whole learning curve of like learning. I had to learn my body. Sure. To really had to learn how and then how to be with my body mm -hmm. according to my body's needs. Right. You know, the way that I needed to be like touched and responded to. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been a beautiful, beautiful healing journey, you know, in that, in in like the damage of sexual trauma mm -hmm. and being able to overcome that. Yeah. Well, so when you were with your second partner, where things really started to kind of blossom and open up for you, what was that transition like going from basically like my vagina, everything having to do with that is just kind of like dirty, don't want anything touched. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I would imagine anything sexually stimulating, not even through physical touch, but even just something that you see would be that I don't want anything going on. Um no 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 it's just that there was there were things that would turn me on that i that were not necessarily like sexual mm -hmm. so and there was which was was super confusing and um well like what for example well i don't i, I don't know like i'm trying to, i was actually trying to come up with like an, an example but there was a lot of mixed signals a lot of really confusing things. I'd see something in the environment. I see something that's disturbing and then I'd have a response to it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so all of those things, I guess were like, okay, shut that down, shut that down. Don't feel that, shut that down. Um, instead of being curious and exploring it or being gentle or not, and not judging it. So my experience mm -hmm. is a little bit different in that, you know, there's a gap of, you know, 25 years where I have no recollection mm -hmm. of anything that went on. There's just a history of hypersexuality and just like always wanting to have sex. Um, whereas for you, you, you know, just kind of like carried around those memories. So, I mean, I really want to learn from, you know, like what that experience was like for you, because when I went through puberty and when I went through my first girlfriend, you know, my dad especially had always said, you know, don't just do it to do it. You want to make sure that you're in love with the person, have feelings for that person. And when I was 16 years old, had wasn't my first um, girlfriend, wasn't really my first. I mean, I guess it was my first serious girlfriend, but I was sexual with. And we waited probably about four or five months and we actually took each other's virginity. That's and yeah. yeah, it was a beautiful mm -hmm. experience. I have zero regrets with the way that any of that went down and uh i mean i will always honor and be grateful to my father for kind of you know being the sensitive and emotional person that he is uh because i really think he guided me right in that area having absolutely no knowledge of how healthy that really would be you know i mean who knows how that sexuality would have manifested otherwise i mean there's never i think i said before there's never been any sense of wanting to force anything on yeah. a woman or a, a, child, a child, anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking, you know, before we got started about, you know, 
some people, you know, when they experience uh, childhood sexual trauma, they will want to replicate that and, you know, now be the perpetrator where I have a desire to really hurt a perpetrator mm -hmm. and very much protect children. Um, and, and so, uh, I mean, I, I'm glad I didn't have to wrestle with that difference in, in sexuality where it's almost kind of a duality of, you know, I'm feeling these sexual feelings, but then there's kind of this, you know, duality of, well, the first time I experienced anything sexual is through a family member. And now I'm going to, you know, it's really natural, um, but that are, you know, obviously now attached to a family member that, you know, really I shouldn't be experiencing these things mm -hmm. with. Well, so what happened, and let's just shift gears and go back to, to your story because you're in this Bikram yoga class mm -hmm. in camel pose and then, oh shit, all these memories come flooding you. And, and I, I just want to say that what a beautiful protective mechanism that we have to be able to block out memories that as children, like we're not able to process. We can't hold it at that time, mm -hmm. right? And um, and so able to release them at mm -hmm. a time where you are finally able to hold them, mm -hmm. right? With more more spiritual, um, you know, growth that you had. You said you were like 32. Mm -hmm. Is that exactly. right? Okay. You know, the physicality, the physical, being able to hold the weight of what had happened. You know, so I'm, I just I want to honor and recognize, you know, just your your guides and you your your higher you that was like okay you're ready now now we're ready to release mm -hmm. so what was that like two years between like okay this and then re and then reporting so what was that process like wow so so when it actually happened in the class um there was probably 50% of me that, you know, almost just kind of reverted back to being a little kid and it was remembering everything that had happened and just an overwhelming uh, sadness. And then there was another part of me that was just sort of that, you know, no matter how tough it gets, you just keep going. And so even though in that pose, I completed the pose, I, you know, sat out through the second posture of it. And luckily in Bikram yoga, if you haven't taken one of those classes before, uh, it is so hot in there that, you know, you're sweating so much that nobody can tell that you're crying. So in that second pose, I literally just kind of cried my way through it. At that point, it was just kind of like, well, you got to keep going. And so I actually ended up finishing the rest of the class. And so I just sort of sat with it and it was just like, I remember, I remember everything. And I don't know. I mean, it just kind of was there and it was just something that, you know, so far in the distant past, uh, but it was obviously on my mind every single day for a very long time. And especially once it started, you know, shortly thereafter, I started getting that. I had no idea what that was. And then, you know, years later, once I started studying um, yoga and I was, I had already gone through teacher training in the fall of 2018 and shortly thereafter i was introduced to uh, how powerful yoga can be when it comes to yes. uh, healing trauma treating trauma mm -hmm. and that's when i started learning a lot about how that you know how yoga can move that energy throughout the body 
I'm just curious about you had the memories that came back to you about your about the sexual trauma. You were very sexual. Mm-hmm. You're very sexual. You've been very much in your body. You, you know, we were talking before, and you just like expressed. You you knew you always loved and and like cared for women. You know, mm-hmm. like you would read books and like Cosmo and stuff like that. So like, how do I? I don't know if I was going to say that. <laughs> but I mean, it's so beautiful. You know, just like you know, to like love the feminine. Mm-hmm. You know, and to love and um and how did these memories impact your sexual relationships? Like over those. Well, I think the biggest thing was, you know, up to that point, um, so I was 32 years old. I had been single for nine years at that point, and it was just very hypersexual, was, you know, definitely being a little more on the promiscuous side, a lot on the promiscuous side. Um, But I, for the first time in nine years, felt that I was actually ready for a relationship, manifested um, what ended up being a long-term relationship that actually uh, I chose to end just about four months ago. So it was actually just a little bit longer than uh, 10 years, actually. So went from nine years of being single to 10 years of being in a relationship. It was uh, the final six years of that was marriage. And I don't know, it's just part of my journey. And I just felt completely ready to I think I think I think uh, what came out with me during those nine years of being single was I was looking to connect with that feminine energy and, you know, the healing power of sex didn't really understand what I was doing. I just knew that it kind of like felt good and mm-hmm. I just sort of craved that. Yeah, thank you um, for putting words to that and, you know, clarifying that because that is such a different distinction. You know, it's so different mm-hmm. because once we the healing energy of sex and then being able to connect mm-hmm. to that is such a different journey or experiencing sex and intercourse through, you know, from that funnel of like promiscuity mm-hmm. and right like that. Well, and I think kind of the, the caveat that I wasn't aware of at the time, but I'm very much aware of now was, you know, when you carry around that sort of trauma in your body, at least in my experience, I really recognize now that that trauma is then going to go out and seek that like energy within another human being. Even though, you know, I was finding the sex that I was looking for, I was oftentimes finding it in another human being who had experienced uh, sexual trauma, uh, could have been, you know, just like rapes that happen, things like mm-hmm. college, high school parties, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I think it's something like what is it like one in four women yep. experience one rape? I mean, yep. absolutely horrible. It's, it's a lot. It's so pervasive. It's, it's, it's so much more common than people realize. Right. Yeah. And but so, go ahead. I, I yeah. So about the trauma bonding. Yeah. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is, is, is that trauma then goes out and seeks other trauma. And so you have two people that are hurting inside, whether they realize it or not, whether they think they're healed or not. And, I've literally felt that before where, um, you know, you don't know a person, you just see them across the way and there's just kind of think, wow, I'm totally attracted to this person, whatever it is. And you don't realize, and you don't maybe even learn till later on that there is that sort of like, um, past experience of trauma. Mm-hmm. And then what does that do into, mm-hmm that relationship if you actually go forward and meet that person then take those physical actions and you're you know you're sharing that sexual energy with another human being 
that feels good, but also at high bonding. And so you have that trauma energy being transferred from one person to the next. And that trauma bonding can be so powerful mm-hmm. and so confusing, so confusing, especially if you are not, if we're going into a relationship from a very unhealthy place, coming from this place of this person's going to fix me, even, even if these thoughts are unconscious, like, but if this is the, this is the wound that we're carrying, right. That I'm broken and something's wrong with me and I have to stay with because they see me, they, they love me. They're going to accept me and all my brokenness. This can create this bond that is so difficult to come out of. Mm-hmm. And then if people aren't recognizing it and let's say that the relationship doesn't last, then they can keep looking for that relationship over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. It is, um, this relationship that I, that my second relationship was very much like that. The mm-hmm. beauty of it was that I was given reality as something other than um, through the lens of sexual abuse. But there was also a lot of other trauma bonding that was happening that took many, many, took a long time mm-hmm. to get out of. And it sure. took a lot of healing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. I will never forget there was um, a person in my life in my early to mid 20s who I didn't know it at the time, but she had come from a family of just like horrible abuse. Um, I don't think necessarily sexual, but it was for sure like emotional, spiritual, mental bonds completely matched up. And we had an just like an absolutely horrible relationship, like, um, you know, she took the first step of being horrible to me, mm. you know, sneaking around, cheating, things like that. And then so that in turn kind of like triggered that within me. And it was just like, okay, well, I'm going to take that and I'm going to up you. So it was like this constant, you know, buildup of, you know, who can hurt the other person worse. You know, of course, there's like a blow up happens, you know, you break up and then there's the unhealthy that trauma bond still seeks that connection and so even though you consciously know how unhealthy this is you still go back to that person it doesn't matter if you meet somebody else who is on the outside like a better package maybe they're more intelligent better looking whatever it is there's still that bond there that tries to manifest itself and you know years since she last reached out to me um, and I now know how unhealthy that bond is, but it was very, very difficult to break. And that was before I even had any sort of training and trauma healing. And I just knew like, this is so sick. Well, and, and there's energy cords and mm-hmm. there's energy cords and there's, those are like a whole other spiritual piece that's, that's also connected to it. Cause we can't just stay like in this, in this earth plane when we're talking about some of these bonds, because it, there's, there's multiple levels that this is happening on. Um, specifically when it comes to this like trauma bonding, because trauma bonding doesn't happen only if you've experienced sexual trauma or sexual abuse or rape. I firmly believe that the wounds that we experience here as humans on this planet, these deep wounds of disconnection from our body, disconnection from our spirit, disconnection from source, disconnection from each other, the loneliness, pain, the deep confusion that isolates us, whatever those, those things are like these, this whole, this wound can be created in so many different ways, not just sexual trauma, 
so many different ways that we can get to the wound. And I, I think the important piece here is, is bringing, bringing that, like bringing the, the awareness, bringing the awareness that why we don't, we don't want to continue to have these, this, we're, we're all coming from so many different experiences in our lives. And, and, and unfortunately we, we, many of us have these shared experiences of trauma, regardless of how you got the trauma, it still leaves very similar marks on us. So I just want to kind of like just table that piece and, and also just express that we're not saying trauma bonds happen only with sexual abuse, but certainly it is. Um, I know that was my experience and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was bonding in those ways because of so much of the disconnection that I experience from my sexuality or experience from people. And like, that's why the way that I was, and that's the way that my wound came, you know, and, um, and, and it's like, and it sounds like that's for you as well. And it's, again, there's so many of these unconscious ways that this plays out in our lives. And, and I want to just come back to, I want to come back to, the important part about the strength that it takes for people to break the silence about their abuse. In my experience, when I shared with a friend that I was going to, um, that I was going to report and she said, and I love her for this honesty. She said, isn't that going too far? Have you waited too long? You know, it's like, it's like, keep it in the family. Don't, don't tell like this, like it's, it's this, it's like, you don't have to say those words. It's just like, it's, aren't you going too far now? It's done. It's over with. Get on with your life. Get on with it. Get over it. Too, too much time has passed too much, you know, put it behind you. Just get on with your life. These are the messages, the things that happen in the family. Just keep them in the family. The family's going to deal with it. You don't put family business out. And I, and I realize your experience is different in that. So I, I'm, and yet I think it's so important. I want to hear also maybe what some of the messages, because you being in a male body, you being in this particular shape, but I am curious about what the container felt like for you when you were just ready to disclose or to share. And yeah. Report, and report. Yeah. For me, it was just sort of, um, I was just ready. Like I, this instant, when I had that experience in the class, it was just sort of an instant recognition of what had happened in my life over the last 25 years and how that had absolutely manifested in my life. And it was just like, I want all of this out of my body. I was just like, this is absolutely horrible. And, you know, not only do I need to heal myself uh, and be responsible for that, but I also just kind of, you know, want to put it out there for other people. Like, I can't believe this happened. For whatever reason, it is what it is, um, but it just needs to be gone. And the people that are perpetrating this sort of stuff, it needs to stop. So that's where I get kind of, you know, the internal strength to do something like this or to talk so openly about it with like the police department and with friends and family and anybody that'll listen just because it's speaking, you know, what factually happened. And I've kind of always talked about it in a way of what happened without even including the feeling portion of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of maybe the 25 years that had gone by, 
maybe I had worked through a lot of the feelings and the emotions of it. Um, I don't know that I necessarily like suppressed them, um, but it was really just kind of like just talking about the pure facts, like, you know, and just it is what it is. And where, you know, where the chips fall, they fall and, you know, just kind of take it from there. It's kind of like coming to that, you know, realization of being able to do that and how necessary that is. I literally just think that it was just that purely that fact of just getting the facts out there. And there was just no real emotional and, you know, aspect of it, I don't think. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people struggle with that. And, you know, they kind of feel shame and they feel guilt. And, you know, what did I do? What shouldn't I have done? You know, to me, it was, you know, I mean, it was a topic you can read about. You can go on the Internet about it. And so I just felt super ready to talk about it. And then when I had the experiences with, um, you know, ayahuasca it was just kind of. This needs, you know, this needs to come out. And so all of those feelings and emotions that maybe still were in my body, it was just ready to go in there, grab onto it and bring it out, which if you don't know too much about ayahuasca, uh, I mean, I kind of want to call it a shit show and laugh because it literally is a shit show. You can call it a shit show and laugh. It's all good. Um, but there was literally physically things coming out of my body that it was just like, what is that? And so it's just kind of that recognition of mm. wow, there are energies that are trapped in the body yeah. that your body can absolutely get rid of. And yes. you can feel it moving around in your body. That was the only time I really ever felt, you know, emotion with all of it because I could feel that stuff going through my mm. body and actually coming out. So it was like, you know, mm. everything all wrapped up into one. It was anger, sadness, guilt you know, shame that I never knew that I had. And it was just kind of ready to go. I am just amazed and in, in like, and in, in wow, not wow, you know, that this was your experience that you, you mentioned earlier, you just wanted to get it out. Mm -hmm. You just wanted to get it out of you. And I, I, I really love that, that that was your experience. I didn't have that experience. Like I didn't know that I could get it out. Mm -hmm. You know, it was I didn't even know. And um, it's it just speaks to how everybody's journey and their process is so so different. Mm -hmm. And there's not way, one way of healing for anybody. There's not one particular. Um, there's not a particular time frame. It's not going to be done after you go see, you know, a counselor for this many times. It doesn't matter how many ayahuasca. Like everybody's, everybody's journey is going to be so different and mm -hmm. so unique to them. And I am just listening and hearing your experience. That last piece that you just shared also about just like releasing shame that you didn't even know that you had in you. Like all of these emotions just that were, that were just coming up. And that you just wanted to get them out, to get them out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what also came to my mind was like this, like masculine, like the masculine way of being able to handle things. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was um, so that first night of the ayahuasca journey, I I had brought, I believe, about seven days worth of clothes. And I went through all seven days in about six hours. Wow. Because I kept. I mean, literally just like shitting myself. Oh I mean, my gosh, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the next day, um, you know, I was in a fairly primitive area of Peru and you're scrubbing things out. And so I was literally out there for, 
probably about three hours getting all this stuff completely clean. Um, God, I'm so glad you were able to release so much though. Like, it was crazy. Wow, that it you was wanted to let crazy. it go because there's also, there's also something in that energetically and mm -hmm. in, in being able to, like, I just want to be done with this. Like I want to mm -hmm. get this out. Oh man. Just it was ready. That. Well, part of the first and then some into the second night where I was just vomiting this, like what I could only describe as like this, I don't know, it looked like a black motor oil or something. And, and if you know anything about ayahuasca, you know, they have you essentially eating a vegetarian diet for four weeks leading up to your ceremony. Um, you know, at about the third week they cut off or they ask you to cut off the sex and then about a week out, no more, um, you know, salt and, you know, spicy flavorings for the food, things like that. And so when you and then when you're down there, you're continuing to eat that same, you know, vegetable based diet. Yes. So when you're seeing these, you know, things come out of your body and it's just like this black, just muck is the only way that I could describe it. I mean, you know that it's there doing something and pulling it out, actually pulling it out of your body. And it's just a combination of the trauma trapped in your body. It's releasing that stuff. I think maybe that is trapped in your subconscious and it just goes in and gets rid of all of it. So grateful for you. This conversation is happening right now. And this is happening with two humans who have experienced sexual trauma. And this is just our story, a part of our story, a sliver of the story in a condensed, somewhat abridged version for this particular episode. But it is so important to know this is preventable. And if we do not wake up to see the faces of the abused, of the silenced, of the victimized, and if we do not stop turning our heads away, this is going to continue. We have the power to open up our eyes, to take action, we have the power to create safe spaces so that people can feel more comfortable and sharing and disclosing and they don't let their shame eat them up and keep them quiet because they feel like they're going to be judged, ridiculed, or worse, not protected, blamed. We all have the ability to help keep each other safe. We have an ability to respond to the way that we interact with one another way that we love one another, the way we listen and hear, the way that we look at each other. So whether there was a part, maybe some things that maybe you didn't like, maybe didn't resonate, maybe it wasn't your experience, you don't have any way to relate. And I'm glad you don't have any way to relate. I hope that you never have a way to relate to sexual trauma or sexual abuse or rape. But I do hope that we can start to be more compassionate. And if we, if, if there's at any point in this, it was too much, or why are we talking about this? Like understand that that is an invitation for you to look deeper inside yourself and to see what you are unwilling to see. And what do you not want to look at in yourself and in the world? Just 
invite yourself to be gentle as you look at these things and to confront these parts that are really uncomfortable. Maybe you've been denying some aspects of yourself. You have been in that place of, I just want to get on with my life and I'm just going to put it behind me. We can't put trauma behind us. You can't bury it. It stays inside your body and it will ravage and steal your life from you. It will manifest in disease or in physical pains and headaches and eating disorders, different ways, but you cannot hide from it. You cannot get away from it. You cannot run from it. There's no magic in the world that you can do that will just make it go away. You need to know that. And there are countless, countless children, women, men who are being victimized right now. Just take a breath. I know that I got really intense there. And I'm glad because I wanted to. Because I feel intense. I feel intensely passionate about this. And it is really fucking hard for me. No, take that back. It's not that hard. It was hard at first. But now I'm finding my voice in this. And I'm finding my voice to share with you. To speak my truth in hopes that we can create a space together of safety so that other people can feel safe enough to speak their truth. That's how we are going to change this world. That's how we will lift the vibration. And we need to lift our vibration. So there you have it. Here's my latest episode of Liberate Your Orgasm. It's been dedicated to sharing part of my story and part of Michael Chasen's story regarding sexual abuse. And anybody who has experienced sexual trauma knows that there's no way to just get over the wreckage and the damage that sexual trauma creates. We have to be active participants in our healing. Breaking my silence and actually endeavoring to hold a couple of my perpetrators accountable has been the next phase in my healing evolution and and it's been incredible and filled with various emotions up and down and mostly i've been able to come back to my center because i know i know that we have the power to heal and to end sexual trauma and sexual violence and to heal our planet when it comes to our sexuality as a whole, to bring the light to the darkness and to stop hiding and creating shame around our sexuality, to stop exploiting, to stop victimizing and taking. We have the power to end it. And one of the most powerful weapons I have been able to identify within myself is that of my voice. I can use my voice to help create change and to fight against the darkness. And that's exactly what I intend to do. I encourage you to keep listening, keep educating yourself, look for different ways to help yourself if you are in the midst of healing or at the beginning or at the end or wherever you are in your healing journey just keep reaching out reach out for support 
reach out. There are people out there who want to love on you and help you and guide you to the best of their ability. And if you know somebody who is experiencing sexual trauma or sexual abuse, then reach out to them and see how you can support them. If it's in your capacity to be able to support them, it might not be. This is tough stuff. And sometimes husbands and wives or girlfriends or just friends or family members, if we don't have the education, we don't have the internal resources or the know-how, it's difficult to support somebody fully in their experience of, of abuse and sexual trauma, whether they're still going through it or whether it has happened in the past. This is not easy stuff. It's just, it's not. But... We can love people a whole lot more than maybe we've been loving them. And holding, offering guidance or support wherever we can to the extent that we can is always a wonderful gift. So do look out for more episodes of Liberate Your Orgasm. I have some fun stuff lined up for you. I've got some more intense, deep stuff for you. And, you know, it's my promise to myself and also to you to never sugarcoat stuff, but to really bring what's true and moving through me because I also know that that's part of my healing journey. And if you can get something out of it and you enjoy it and maybe a couple of laughs and some tips and um, more liberation to your orgasm so that you can live a super awesome fucking fantastic life, then yay us and let's keep rocking and rolling. So until next time.